0: Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, episode 145, Holiday Shopping Guide 2017. We'd like to thank all our Patreon backers for helping us bring you an ad-free episode.
1: You're listening to a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, dedicated to bringing podcasters together for the greater good of gaming. It's sort of like Voltron. But with better lip syncing. Find out more at dicetowernetwork.com.
0: Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast about Board Gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. Hey and this is Anthony. Anthony, looks like we got through another packed full of fun and excitement con schedule. And now we get to settle down into the holidays, my friend.
1: Yeah, man, it's great. Uh, we have not had a, camp, a con this late in the year before. So much fun. We recorded from the con, of course, so now we've had a week to kind of digest and think through it. But it's it was a lot of fun. I, I, I really think, you know, we'll see what it looks like next year, but I really think it'll be something I want to do again. And now we have a bunch of new stuff to play over the next four months, <laughs> during true. which nothing new comes out. So.
0: <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed PAX. Getting to play the Essen games in their first look area was outstanding. I'm really hoping that they don't pull back because there weren't as many traditional gamers because they were at BGG. I think that severely skewed the attendance this year. And I want to actually buy some games for the holidays. So if you're listening out there and you're a publisher, bring games. I will buy them. There wasn't really that much of a selection this year. And obviously there wasn't the big BGG crowd that usually hits these cons
1: yeah it was funny it was a lot of people brought a lot of stuff but they didn't bring their newest stuff i think everybody was kind of caught in between they didn't want to go too light they didn't want to go too heavy because they didn't know who was going to be there and in the end they got caught between the two audiences we had you know us on the podcast side with our heavy gamers of which there were not a ton but we were very rabid (laughs) And then the vast majority of, like, Paxers who were new to board game cons in general who just wanted to demo stuff and bought a couple light games, you know?
0: Yeah, overall, it was still an amazing convention. Definitely want to go back next year. I know they're going to not run into the same problem that they did this year with having it at the same time as BGG. I got a survey. I filled out the survey. Hopefully, some of those suggestions help for next year. And... You know, as long as everything lines up right, we'll be there next year and record another episode. Yeah, for sure. All right. So, con season's all wrapped up. Now we got to get down to purchasing the great games for the holiday season for yourself, for your family, for your friends. Bringing new gamers into the great hobby that we all enjoy. So, we're going to talk about the holiday shopping guide for 2017, what games to keep a lookout for, what games should be on discount, and where you can grab those great games. But before we get into that, Anthony, let's talk about what everyone else is talking about. What's our question of the week?
1: All right. So I asked two questions this week because we had, yes, we had two great American holidays, Thanksgiving and Go Buy Stuff Day, (laughs) also known as Black Friday, which I don't even think is American anymore. I think it's global at this point. I think we've infected everybody. America. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) First up, I asked everybody, what are you most thankful for from the board game hobby? So I got a lot of great answers to this. Ryan said, the gaming community as a whole. For the most part, people are willing to help make suggestions for new games, teach newcomers, and be very welcoming. It provides a social face-to-face experience with new people that most other hobbies lack. I'm very thankful for the friends I've made throughout this hobby. Uh, Tim said, in my experience, the guys don't do well at making time to just get together and hang out, but if we have a focus for the event, board games in particular, It seems easier to convince everyone to come out. Uh, Phil says, I love the social experience of gaming. Plus, the board gaming never gets old with the wide variety of games available. Uh, And then Kurt mentions my wife for putting up with me. I'm ever evolving. Now I'm into painting miniatures, so she just shakes her head and laughs. I think I could take from all four of these. Honestly, It's, it's a great excuse to get out and be social. I have two kids. I'm busy constantly, but... Once or twice a week, I'm like it's game night. It's scheduled. I'm going out. I'm hanging out with people. Uh, it's structured, but also something I enjoy doing. And then honestly, just having something analog to do that's not on a computer. I'm on the computer all day long, and just being able to sit and do something, you know, detached, unplugged, and just you know, with my hands and my brain. It, it's it's priceless at this point with <laughs> how plugged in we are.
0: Sure. I think there's a lot that could be said for all the amazing new innovations in video games. But as you said, Anthony, there's nothing like cracking open a board game at a board game night surrounded by people in a great venue with great people there, physically having their presence, being able to touch these amazing components, the smell of the cardboard and the paper, the feel of the cards in your hands, rolling the dice. And having this wonderfully engineered and artistically designed game and then having a unique experience with every group of people you sit down and play with. It's so intellectual, emotional, and just a wonderful experience. And I'm thankful for every gamer that I get to sit down with. I'm absolutely positively thankful for all of our listeners who listen to us each and every week talk about all this great stuff, especially our Patreon backers who allow us to bring an ad-free episode to you. And I, I think most of all, strangely enough, when you, when you get those games to the table and somebody actually knows how to play those games and walks by and it's like, Oh, I know how to play them. I'm like, you can teach this game. like, yeah, I'm like, Oh, <laughs> this is great. It's like the sky opens up and uh, it's really a fun experience. You get to be, you know, a teacher on top of everything else. Once you know a game, you get to be the, the, the real Uber guy at that game night. So really thankful for all those people as part of the profession And all the great publishers, designers, and everybody at those cons for making those things happen.
1: All right, Anthony, what about our other question of the week? All right. So once we get the thankfulness and graciousness out of our system, what are we spending our money on? Um, (laughs) I asked people what game they're hoping will end up on a sale list for Black Friday or Cyber Monday. So I asked this last week, I think on Thanksgiving. So just as everybody was processing their food and preparing to spend money. Uh, so we had a few answers here. Elena mentioned Mansions of Madness, second edition. She's hoping for 60 bucks as the price to beat. And then a few people were a little uh, hopeful, I guess. Tyler mentioned Space Hulk. Uh, he did mention he does not think that will happen. Chris mentioned Gaia Project, which is not currently available in the U.S., but maybe he's thinking Europe. And Eric says Cosmic Encounter and all of its expansions. Uh, Mark says The D&D Player's Handbook. Maybe not a board game, but still hoping it's there. Major Havoc on Twitter mentioned Clank. It's been on his wish list for a very long time, but he's still yet to pull the trigger because he's not sure he needs another deck builder. But if it drops below $30, maybe. I think a lot of people are in the same boat with Clank. It's it's a good game, but you have all these deck builders. You don't really need another that does most of the same thing. So yeah, a lot of people waiting on games that generally don't go on sale. And I think I have a wish list full of the same things. So all the Asmodee titles, basically.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Asmodee, I think they shot themselves in the foot a little bit, and I think Yellow did the same thing with this map pricing because it's not allowing the market to determine what you know should be at people's tables because everything stays that high price, nothing kind of fluctuates. So I gotta believe they're gonna have a lot of just games just sitting out there until they do their Christmas sale and they to kind of throw those out, which is kind of weird because if they would change the price as the seasons went on and if people aren't buying it, they could pick it up and get it to the table and people could try it out. Instead, what's happening is Asmodee does their once a year sale for some of their games but since they were you know, full price or nearly full price the whole year, you never got to see them so you're not sure if you should buy them so you're kind of taking a jump even if it's a $30-$40 game. That's still $30-$40. It's pretty much a lot. So yes, Asmodee probably would be the company that I wish three spirits would visit them and try to <laughs> open their heart a little bit I think the game that I'm looking forward to hopefully pops back up on sale is the gallerist mm-hmm. because I've heard such conflicting reviews about the gallerist and I haven't been able to get to the table Mentioned market had on sale I try to pick it up and then something went glitchy with their system and then it jumped back up on regular price and it's such a long game and it's such an odd game that I don't know if I'll be able to get to the table often, and it's really on the expensive side. So that would probably be the one game, but uh, I think overall, as you said, the Asmodee titles, man, I wish I could come back and uh, pick up a lot of those again.
1: Yeah, no kidding. There's a whole bunch of them that I'm so on the fence on that I would never spend full price on. But if they were on sale at a decent price, more than 15% off, then maybe. Maybe I'd give it a flyer. But It doesn't happen. Occasionally
0: it happens, but very, very rarely. Yeah, I just haven't seen Asmo games to the table very often. So I think hopefully this is something that will change as time goes on. All right, so that's our questions of the week. So for this holiday episode, especially a shopping guide episode, we wanted to skip ahead the acquisition disorders because basically our shopping list is going to be all acquisition disorders. And also, our shopping guide is also games that we've all gotten to the table. So it's kind of a super uber combination of acquisitions at the tables and probably the best you know shopping guide you can look at for games that were released in 2017 that you could actually get right now in the U.S. So with that said, let's get on to our feature review. So Anthony, we're looking at Cyber Monday popping up. And hopefully there'll be some great games, maybe on Amazon, maybe on Cool Stuff or Mention Market or many of the other great online realtors. Or maybe your local friendly game store is doing a sale for the Black Friday, kind of carryover to Cyber Monday, Small Business Saturday, and just generally the holiday season. So, Anthony, let's get started and uh, let us know what games we should be looking at for the holiday season. Yeah, for sure. So our goal here, guys, is everything on this
1: list should be available right now. So there's a lot of good games that came out in 2017. We're not just going to talk about the best games. We have a awards episode coming up in a month or two. Uh, but right now, these are games you could actually go buy immediately from the publisher or an online retailer or Amazon and give them as a gift. So this is a shopping guide, not necessarily the best games of the year guide, although there are a lot of very good games on this list.
0: And if you um, do have the means, this is a perfect advent <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, we picked 24 games for you guys, and not even on purpose. We were very excited when we counted them up.
0: So if you can buy one game a day, by all means do so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all three of you have that kind of budget. <laughs> so yeah, the first game on my list is one that kind of snuck up on me at Origins this last year, and I picked it up over the summer. Did a review of it on YouTube, and that's Unearth from Brotherwise Games. It's not Boss Monster, so that's what? why it snuck up on me. <laughs> this is a perfect game for people in that kind of light to medium entry-level game area, people who liked Boss Monster or games similar to it. It's dice rolling, it is set collection, it is area control, and it's all of those things turned down to like a two on the on the difficulty level. Um, artwork's fantastic, very accessible. Everybody I played it with, especially people who are not gamers. Really enjoyed this one. And it, the price is very accessible as well. So definitely track down a copy of Unearth if you can.
0: Well, my first suggestion is Century Spice Road slash Gollum Edition. Now, I was lucky enough to pick up the Gollum Edition at Gen Con 2017. But I've played Spice Road way, way back when, when it was even a prototype game. Now, this game from Plan B Games is... I got to say I really feel like if the distribution works out well with this game and I'm not sure where it is right now but if this game can get out everywhere it's going to be the new gateway game. It's it's just it's such a solid, easy, beautifully produced game and it really introduces some nice, you know, set collection, tableau building kind of mechanics that really you don't see anywhere else as refined down to the level here. Uh, Plan B Games is currently running a sale for their Golem Edition, which I highly recommend. And if you have to choose between the two, check out which art you like better because it's the identical game. Although I think the Golem Edition, the crystals, the colors kind of pop a little bit more. So it might help out friends of yours who might be uh, a little bit on the colorblind side.
1: Yeah, the Golem Edition is way better looking. Yeah, so. absolutely. Although, keep in mind, the, this is a trilogy of games. It's is the first in a trilogy, and Spice Road will match the theme of the next two. Gollum will not. So if you're going to buy all three, something to keep in mind. All right, so the next one on my list, and actually the next two here, are actually decently heavy games. Uh, but for me, this is the game for people who don't normally like co-op games <laughs> because they're heavy gamers. That's Spirit Island. This is the co-op game that finally got me. I I don't dislike co-op games, but I like very few of them in a significant way. Spirit Island is a brilliant game, however. It's, it's heavy. It's thematic. It has tons of different options and ways to play the game. There are no alpha gaming problems here because the characters and the deities you play are so complicated that you really can't pay attention to what other people are doing. This is a fantastic fantastic thematic game and they got it back in print just in time for the holidays so you can pick this up uh the expansion unfortunately is not available right now but it should be available after the first of the year so if you pick this up for somebody and they like it you'll have something to get for them for their birthday or another holiday next year
0: yeah i'm not the biggest co-op fan myself and i like heavier games so this attracted me right off the bat But I was still a little bit iffy about this game because it's co-op, but I was able to pick this up at PAX, and I can't wait to get this table. Now, talking about games that you can get to the table, or especially heavy games, the one I want to talk about is Lisboa. Now, this was a game I was really cautious about picking up. I didn't back the Kickstarter. I know Anthony did. But I did buy it at Origins and was a little concerned because it's a very pricey game, although thankfully right now... I think Miniature Market and even Cool Stuff has it both at a pretty heavy discount. So really, now is the time to act. Even if you don't get the little Kickstarter extras, don't worry about that. The production is amazing. And while this is a very heavy game and a long game, this is a game that pretty much anybody from the medium to heavyweight gaming style can play. Beautiful production, outstanding gameplay, nothing that's going to melt your brain. But something that when you put down to the table, you'll be proud that you actually did. There's people
1: out there right now being like, "This won't melt your brain. <laughs> I
0: don't think it does. I mean, it's the mechanics are somewhat are pretty obvious there. I mean, you're you're you know you're building those buildings to build the public buildings that score those buildings, and then you're producing resources. It's not an overly complicated mess that a lot of euro games kind of break down the where there's like fifteen different things you have to do. It's somewhat streamlined. You're playing one card a turn. That's basically it. Yeah, it's
1: brilliant. I mean, it's one of my favorite games of the year by far. So from that, at the heavy end, we're going to go all the way back to the the light-medium end again uh, and with Dice Forge. So this is the kind of game you pick up for somebody who really, 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 really likes dice because you get to build your own dice. Uh, It is a fairly simple um, worker placement stylish game where you move to different areas, take actions that allow you to build up your dice to make them stronger. And then on those dice, you're going to get symbols that allow you to purchase and complete various different things in the pursuit of points and eventual victory in the game. Very, very simple, very accessible by far. And if we were going to have awards right now, and I don't know if we'll have this award, but if we did the insert of the year because the way this thing unfolds and pulls out of the box makes it much, much more accessible than if it did not exist. It would take an hour to set up otherwise. <laughs> but Dice Forge, and it is relatively inexpensive for an Asmodee game. I think it's right under that $40 to $50 mark for what you get in the box. It, it is well worth checking out.
0: Well, another game on that light to medium range is Pandemic's Clear. This is a smirk and dagger game that employs... A lot of lightweight mechanics, as far as set collection goes, in which you are trying to kind of triage these emergency patients that are being dropped basically on your doorstep, and you have to treat them with the appropriate medicines, bandages, and everything else. And then there's kind of additional ways to kind of build up your cabinet, you know, whether you're going to have a helicopter or you're going to have additional space for different medicines or bandages. The game's got a lot of fun to it, and it really kind of, you know, stands out when it adds in the app. Now, this app is free, and it's essential for the game. It has the timers in this game, and it really kind of makes you feel like you're an EMT running to an emergency situation. The, The game has a little take that in it, but generally, it's kind of a solid game for, I would say, your light to maybe just medium-weight gamers who are looking to play something that's a little more exciting on your game night.
1: Yes, the thing will stress you out, but in a good way. In a a very good way. way. Yeah. So speaking of things that will stress you out, this is the game for people who like abstract games but want them to be prettier and a little meaner. Uh, That is (laughs) Photosynthesis. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) That little subsection, the Venn diagram. So Photosynthesis is a new game from Blue Orange Games. It is you are building trees you are growing trees i guess you would be growing them the way it works is that the sun moves around the board so at any point in time you only get light points when your trees get sun and you can block the sun from other players so as you can tell there's a lot of jockeying for position now the only really way to score points in this game is to build your trees up to the highest possible level and then remove them from the board and claim points that come from removing those trees So. You have to balance the acquisition of light points with the growth of your trees, with the acquisition of new tree options and seeds, and then actually removing those trees from the board, which is very expensive, all while trying to keep track of what your opponents are doing and keep them from doing the same. So at its core, it's very much an abstract game. But because of the beautiful, beautiful 3D production here, the trees pop off the board They're or you know, actual 3D uh, cardboard trees. It stands out. People will come from across the coffee shop or the game store and ask you what you're playing. And uh, some people might get angry, but it's worth it because it's a great game.
0: All right. Now talking about, once again, those stressful games, I want to talk about Godfather from CMON. Now this is a solidly Euro game that employs kind of like an Ameritrash kind of look to it. And basically what you're doing is you're trying to control old New York by placing your people out there in unique locations to pick up resources. So there is a solid set collection mechanic here, and you're trying to accomplish these little missions. And as the game goes on, you are pocketing money in your briefcase and at the end of the game, whereas the most money wins. This game, while on the expensive side, has shown, you know signs of coming down in price. The production's outstanding. It's not very heavy on the Godfather theme, except for some of the artwork. So if you don't know The Godfather, don't worry about this. Good Simon game, great production, good Euro style. Godfather, man. It's a good game.
1: Yes, definitely a good game. So the next one, very much on the lighter end of the scale, is The Lost Expedition from Osprey Publishing. This is a game about going into the Amazon trying to find the Lost City of Z or El Dorado, as it's sometimes called. And it is a cooperative game, but it also plays solo, which is how I've mostly played the game. And it is a quick, very accessible, lot of fun, card-driven game. Comes in this great little folding bookcase box. Very simple rules. There are a couple different ways to play it. Uh, You can race each other, or you can work together to try to get to the end. So it's not necessarily just co-op. It has a competitive mode. And the combination of different ways to play it With the very solid solo experience here and the decent challenge of trying to get through the Amazon jungle without dying, make this one of my favorite kind of 15 to 20 minute card games of the year.
0: Well, another kind of quick game here is The Quest for El Dorado. Now, this is a really unique racing game in which you and I guess a friend there are trying to race throughout these. You kind of unique jungle, water areas, sand areas, and you're collecting cards allowing you to traverse this area. And as the game goes on, you're also picking up money so you can pick up stronger ways, faster ways to cross this terrain. But in the meantime, you're building up a pretty big deck there, so you have to be really careful about what cards you collect as you're racing throughout the jungle here because. You know what? It could slow you down pulling those cards that are not that valuable. So, do you go in heavy or do you go in light? And you got to think about it because you got to get there first. And the game really plays very quickly, very easily. And it makes sense that this was a well-nominated game for the Essen Spiel. That's the Quest for El Dorado.
1: Yes, yeah, and keep an eye out too because they just announced a whole bunch of expansions for the next couple of years. So there was more content coming from this. If it's something of interest to somebody in your gift giving life. The next one on my list is the. So I didn't put any children's games on here because it's not primarily the audience. But what I did try to find is at least one game that's great for kids and the adults who will purchase the game. (laughs) So that's Rhino Hero Super Battle. My son loves this game. Anytime he gets to stand on a chair and I don't yell at him, Success, right? But it's also a great game to play with adults because you have this sprawling city that you end up building with overlapping buildings and these multiple superheroes climbing up and monkeys hanging from different things. And eventually the whole thing collapses and you have to figure out who won based on who was the highest on that tower. It's a whole lot of fun. And anytime everybody at the table has to stand up to finish a game, you know it's successful. This is a great kids game. A solid party game, and honestly, it's a lot of fun at game night
0: as well. All right, well, Rhino Heroes Super Bowl sounds a lot of fun, but Anthony, if you're going to play a two-player game, you want to play Caverna K Cave versus Cave. Now, when I first heard that this game was coming out, right off the bat, excited. Any Uwe Rosenberg game is something I want to play, and he's done a really good job in his two-player games. But I was also kind of worried that this was just going to be kind of a cheap knockoff game. But in Cave versus Cave, you are actually doing what you did in Caverna, which is tunneling out this cave. But when you do that, you're actually revealing a tile that's going to be a room for either you or your opponent to build in their cave. So it's a really interesting kind of mechanic there as far as like i got to clear up my cave, but when is the appropriate time to do that because I don't want to give a room to my opponent that's going to score them a, a huge number of victory points. Just like Caverna, there's a lot of ways to win this game because you're scoring points basic, basically on everything that you're doing this game. It's a lot of fun, small production, quality production. If you're looking for a great two-player game in 2017, you can't really do much better than Caverna Cave versus Cave.
1: Yeah, this is so much fun. This is one of my favorite uh, quick two player games, just anytime you can take those Rosenberg mechanics and make them quick. I love it. All right. So the next one on my list here is for people who love again, this is another abstract game, but it's for people who want to kind of spice up a traditional abstract component. And this is element element is the best way to describe it is go or chess with player powers or unique components coming out of the bag. There are up to four sages on the board so you can play two to four players and you're going to be drawing different tokens out of the bag on your turn and there are four different elements and each of them does something different. You have mountains which are impassable, you have water which flows and can put out the fire, you have fire which grows depending on how many you put out and then you have air which you can use to jump over other things and the goal here is to capture another sage and each player is trying to capture the one i believe to their left in uh, clockwise player order and the way it ends up working is you are putting out all these things and moving all over the board and everybody's manipulating it as you go around and everything is just happening and it's very similar to a game like go where you're just placing tokens on the board and people respond by moving around you but it has that kind of unique um stylistic dynamic uh action that you get from more of a modern board game um while still being a very solid abstract so if you have somebody who's into those kind of traditional abstract games but you want to give them something a little more modern element is the way to go
0: sounds good now a game that i was shocked that was actually out there and connected to one of my favorite games of all time is jump drive now i've talked about my love for roll for the galaxy and race for the galaxy And it turns out Jump Drive is a two-player game version of that. So, wow. (laughs) And I've played Race for the Galaxy 2 players. It's still a very good game, but Jump Drive does something that I really do like, which is it slims down the game without losing any of the complexity. So, basically, the resources here are easily established, and you can still build that wonderfully, beautifully brilliant space tableau in such a quick amount of time, and the game really ramps up. At first, you're like, I'm not going to be scoring a lot of points, and at the end, you're just just getting buckets and buckets of points. Jump Drive is great if you love any of those prior games, or if you're just looking for a great two-player game as far as getting involved in that kind of Euro mechanic. So, Jump Drive is something you've got to pick up.
1: All right, so let's stay in outer space and get a little thematic. We have The Expanse. This is from WizKids and Jeffrey Engelstein. This is a card game based on The Expanse television show. It's very much based on the television show. It has all the has still photos from the show. And it is, for all intents and purposes, Twilight Struggle, if you boiled it down to about an hour and made it into a four-player game. So for some people, that sounds horrible. But for those people who've always been interested in that kind of card-driven area control game, um, which is is difficult to find because most of those games are fairly long. The Expanse does a great job of really streamlining it, making it accessible, having a board with a limited number of spaces, and this deck that is not too big and not too intimidating, so you don't need to memorize 50, 60 different cards. It is a great experience. And while knowing the show certainly helps, the cards are very thematic, all the locations are related to places in the show, the four different factions are related to the four different factions in the show. You have Earth, Mars, the Belters, and the Corporation. But you don't really need to know those things because the mechanics are pretty solid. Uh, This is a fairly simple, quick and easy to learn game uh, that really manages to capture all those elements of Twilight Struggle in a four-player experience. And uh, it does it pretty well. I was very surprised.
0: All right, well, The Expanse sounds great, Anthony. What I want to talk about is word domination. Now, I don't happen to be the biggest fan of word games and spelling games, but word domination, once again, does something great. It basically boils down building these words in really interesting ways because you are one of these kind of fiendish masterminds in this kind of like cartoony James Bond way using your zeppelins to take over these letters in order to spell words. And then if you can go back and hit those letters again, you capture those letters, and then you can use them, you know, for building bigger and better words that are going to score you more victory points. Now, your opponents are trying to do the same and also trying to block you throughout the way. So, if you're a big fan of word games, this game is great for you. If you're not a big fan of word games, this game is still outstanding, and it's a really fun, fun time, and that's word domination.
1: Yeah, this thing is so great. I love normal word games, but this one's fantastic because I can get other people to play it. It's true. All right. So next one up for me is a real time cooperative game. There were a whole bunch of these released in 2017. I think this is a genre that's kind of growing as people like those quick accessible kind of filler level co-op games. But this is the one I liked best and it's called Dungeon Time. It's from Ares, And you are you're basically building a backpack of different items. And then you have to kind of remember the order in which they come out so that you can play them in a certain order without busting um, as a group. So you can play it as a full group of people. You can play it solo. Um, I actually like this one pretty well solo because it's very accessible. And it comes with multiple different decks of items and possible um, quests you have to complete, which tell you which items you need. And you can mix and match them. So there are lots and lots of replayability in the box. So this is a lot of fun, and it surprised me because I don't generally like this type of game, but I think for people who want something quick, filler,
0: fantasy-themed, this is a great uh, co-op, real-time game. Well, Dungeon Time sounds great, Anthony, but I want to talk about something on the heavy side, a Euro game from CMON. Now, CMON's really been expanding their reach into different game markets, and Lorenzo's a game that, I gotta tell you, is one of my, I don't know, biggest surprises of the year. Now, I really did enjoy the Grand Austria Hotel, which is the same designers that did Lorenzo here. But there's just something about Lorenzo that's just really, I don't know, quintessential for Euro board gaming. Basically, what you're going to have is different markets out there with these different cards that you're going to be able to purchase. And once you purchase those cards, they'll be part of your market. There's the green cards, they're going to be able to do production. The gold cards, which are going to score you money amongst other things. Blue cards, which are going to score you end-victory points. Purple cards, which are even the bigger end-game scoring points. And that simple concept and being able to purchase the cards in a really easy way, but being able to block other players because you got there first and you made everything a lot more expensive. And then adding in dice in a very Feld-esque kind of way, where depending on what you roll is what you can do for that round. Really interesting, really exciting, and so much fun. Uh, Lorenzo from Simon is something that if you're into Euro games and you want to play something new and different, but yet feels like every other great Euro game, it's really one to pick up.
1: Yes, yes. This thing is fantastic. It's one of my favorite games of the year. And um, all the things with Grand Austria Hotel that didn't quite work, this one fixes. Definitely. Absolutely. All right. So another really big a game that looks like an abstract game, but ends up being kind of a decent, heavy strategy game. In the filler category, yes, those exist, is The Climbers. This one was reprinted by Capstone Games, uh, came out over the summer, and it is a game in which you are building a tower of blocks and moving up your climber and trying to get to the top. It Again, it looks like an abstract. It's really not quite an abstract game. and does have kind of a, a strategic feel to it, but it is perfect for those heavy game nights when you're playing a capstone game or lisboa or lorenzo or any of these other heavy euros that we talk about and want something that's only going to take 20 or 30 minutes this game is a great fantastic addition to your game bag if you have the strength to carry it because it <laughs> weighs about 20 pounds
0: sure well i think capstone being kind of starting to be known as the heavy gamer kind of company If they couldn't do a heavy filler, they would going to just do a heavy filler, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Either way, it's got to be heavy. So, yeah, this game looks looks phenomenal. It was a game that was out quite a while ago, so this reprint is most welcome. I know it's on sale in a number of different places. And as Anthony said, don't let this game scare you off as being abstract. It has a lot of heft to it. So there's all my puns for this game. And that's the Climbers. (laughs) All right, so let's talk about Port Royale. Now, this is the opposite of the Climbers in a lot of ways because basically it's just a deck of cards. But Port Royale is so interesting because it's a press-your-luck game that doesn't, you know, come off as a very light game. It's a very interesting dynamic game in which you are out at sea and you are, as I said, pressing your luck to see how many ships are going to come out there to mess with you. And in the meantime, you are trying to provide the best market for yourself and for the rest of the people at the table. So it's a very inclusive game. So once your turn comes up, everyone's going to possibly, unless you bust, possibly have a shot at the market, which makes the game very interactive. It's another set collection game where you're trying to meet certain end conditions. I recommend playing with the variant, which kind of really uh, tightens the game up just right. Uh, This is a light, as far as cost is concerned, game, and it should be something that's part of your normal rotation. That's Port Royale.
1: This is such a good game, and I'm really, really hoping Steve Jackson brings the expansion over soon. It's a very, very light, simple expansion, but it adds a really cool wrinkle in which you have to complete different contracts throughout the game. But even without that, if you play with the variant, this game is fantastic. Yep. All right, so the next one on my list is Baron Park. This was released by Mayfair Games this year, and it is one of apparently about 275 polyomino games released in the last year and a half, um, most of them by Uwe Rosenberg. But this one's not from Uwe Rosenberg. In, in this game, you are building a bear park, as you might have guessed. You will be drawing different tiles, drafting them from this board uh, available in front of you, uh, and as well as possible other kind of generally available tiles that you can get in, in numerous ways and filling in your park. You'll have one tile to start, As you fill in your tiles, you'll get new tiles. You'll have four of them total, and you're trying to fill all of them. And then once you've filled all of them, you're going to score points based on certain achievements, how much you've filled up, and the several other different scoring mechanisms. Game takes 15, 20 minutes once everybody knows how to play. It's very simple. It's accessible. It plays a larger player count very well. Of all those polyomino games that have come out in the last year, I think it's my favorite and it's the one I would recommend if you really like tile placement and those goofy shaped tiles.
0: Well, that's high praise, man. I know you're a, a big polydomino fan. So, and not being an Uwe Rosenberg, I don't know. I think it's going to be some problems later. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, we'll see. He's got like two
1: more in his trilogy coming. They could beat this later, but not this year. Not this sure. year. Sure. <laughs> All
0: right. So I want to talk about a game from Cosmo Games, a game that typically I would not be into because while i do have a lot of friends who are into party games it's typically not the game i lean towards but this game came on the market on origins blew up at gen con and everywhere i go people are asking about that and that's word slam what's really interesting about word slam is basically you're doing everything else you've ever done in a party game which is you're trying to communicate to your team a word or concept and in this version you are given a kind of an enormous number of cards that you're gonna either lay out across a very large table or keep as a, as a deck in your hand. And you're gonna use nouns and verbs and adverbs and adjectives to be able to describe what this concept is. But the challenge here is that all the cards in your hand, while there are many, typically aren't gonna be enough to be able to describe that word. So depending on how you play those cards, what how they're arranged, how you move those cards, it's going to give that person, you know the best possible clue. But you know what? That's not the end because if that was, that would be every other game. But your opponent and their team are doing this same exact word. So as you're making guesses, you're giving information to the other team and vice versa. So it's not only you're getting information from your kind of team captain here who's putting out the words, but you're getting that from all of their other team members. It's fast, it's simple, it's easy, it's extremely well-priced. Cosmo has done a great job with this game in a lot of their games this year. Definitely check out Word Slam.
1: Yeah, like I said earlier in the year in my review, this is replaced Codenames for me, which I wish more people would understand because I don't want to play Codenames anymore. You know what, Anthony?
0: <laughs> I understand.
1: I get Yes, it, we're on the same page. Done. And that's what matters. Um, all right. So I would be remiss if I did not mention the biggest fad of 2017 and hopefully one that continues because I like it a lot. Uh, and that's the escape room genre. Now, exit one. Uh, it was up there in the, uh, you know, the spiel this jars. And I understand. Um, I think it won the Kenner spiel. I understand because it's brilliant and I love it. But the one that I really wanted to recommend to you guys is Unlock. And the reason why I want to recommend this is not because it's necessarily better than Exit, but because it's replayable. Exit games are one time. You're in, you're out, you're done. And the games basically either go in a box or go in the trash because you're destroying different elements. Unlock games, they use an app. They're timed. You know it's going to take one hour. And they can be replayed. So you can either try it again. You can play it solo, which is huge for me. Or you can pass it along to a friend and let them play. And the fact that Asmodee of all companies is releasing a game that can be passed along to a friend to play without having to be purchased is fantastic. Again, I really like the exit games as well. So I would put these up there if you really would prefer kind of that style of of escape room game. But if you don't mind the app, Unlock is the one that I would definitely recommend to check out. Uh, Perfect game for Christmas morning.
0: Well, on the heavy side and on the war game side, at least as war game as we get, is 878 Vikings. Nope, it's not a phone number, but it's probably the best war game that came out in 2017. Now, why I really enjoyed this game is not only is it wonderfully historical and it has the miniatures, which are a great upgrade from their prior Academy Brothers and Sister games, this game does something which I haven't really felt in a lot of other war games, which is the intensity that comes along with either defending an invasion or being the invader and just kind of like pushing in really hard from different directions, utilizing attack cards and kind of a little bit of a deck building element to it if you use kind of the advanced rules. 878 Vikings, great game. War gamers going to love this. Board gamers are going to love this and really kind of open up your eyes into a new kind of genre of games. This is something you should definitely check out. It was kickstarted, but now it's pretty much everywhere, and you can pick it up at a good price. That's 878 Vikings.
1: Yeah, 1775 Rebellion, which was the first in the series of... I think it was the second, actually, but the one that really kind of hit big with this system is one of my favorite games. And then 878 Vikings came along, and now it's one of my favorite games because it does the same thing with some really cool additional mechanics and some great asymmetry. So definitely worth checking out.
0: Definitely. All right, so that's everything from our Holiday Shopping Guide 2017. Hopefully many of these games will be on your upcoming holiday list and hopefully on heavy discount for this coming Cyber Monday. Until next time, this is Chris. And this is Anthony. And we'll save you, your family, and your friends all a seat at our holiday table.